Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. He said, we will take all of this energy and this effort to create something. We'll spend hours. We're spending hours now recording um, this amazing interview. And then we'll just post it online. We won't text it to our friends. We won't try to call such and such. We won't post all of the clips. We won't promote it until, you know, I can't promote it anymore. And he said, you know, he said, why would I listen if you don't even want to promote your own stuff? Why would I listen? And what it, what I thought about that was that the belief, you have to believe in your work and what you create and your art more than anyone else. And you have to champion it. You have to creatively promote it. And you have to get out of this notion that because you posted it one time and maybe people didn't engage that it was it was bad. Dog, it has nothing to do with if it's good or bad. Do you believe in what you put out there? If you do, promote it to the end of the earth. If you don't, don't put that shit out. 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 Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back, party people. We back in here once again. Trying to think. So I had so many thoughts as I contemplated how I was going to start this episode. And a couple of things came to mind. One, the brother we're talking to today, like the vibe is just really felt like family from the moment we met. And I know that's going to translate to you today. But the things that I wanted to kind of kick us off with, I don't want it to, I don't want to take you too deep. I don't want you to feel you know, too much of yourself in the conversation. I want you to be able to make room for what we're getting ready to talk about. And so I'm, I'm going to change up just a little bit from what I planned, but I'm going to go in a, in a similar direction. Well, I'm like, you know how it is. You, you've been with me enough to know we kind of ebb and flow in this thing. So I'm going to start with this. Why are you here? Like, like literally, like, why do you as an individual person, whomever you are listening, why do you exist? let that breathe for a second. I really want you to take a second and think, why do you exist? Why are you here? What is your purpose? Like really at your most critical level, why are you here? What are you here for? What do you want to be celebrated for while you're here? Even more than that, what do you want to be, (laughs) what do you want to be remembered for when you leave? Like this is like, you're getting me, right? This is real shit. This is the stuff that I think about. Relatively often, I'm I'm constantly questioning, why am I here? I don't believe that God put any one of us here just to take up space, breathe his good air, and leave. Like, there's, there's something more to why each of us are here. And if we don't explore it, if we don't evaluate it, if we don't give it time to manifest inside of us, then we're doing a disservice to us. And therefore to everyone else. Like, that is our responsibility. And at my deepest level, who is it that I want to be? What is it that I want to contribute? And what is stopping me from claiming my throne? Real questions that I ask myself as I'm going to bed, as I'm laying next to my wife when I get up in the morning. This is real shit. This is is a glimpse into me right now. Like, who am I? And it, it forces me, that question forces me to reckon with the reality that most of the things stopping me come from me. Not that other barriers don't get in the way. There's always something. But if I'm honest, most of those come from me. What if I fail? What if I fail and someone sees? What if, what if people say it's a bad idea? What if, what if somebody doesn't understand what I'm doing? And what if 
It impacts my life in a negative way. What if the shit doesn't work? Welcome to me again. I know I've said it, but this is real shit. This is who I am. This is how I operate. This is how Wild Black came to be. I asked myself these questions. And hopefully by now you are in your own mind a little bit. I don't want you there too much because I want to pull you back out for this dope-ass conversation we're about to have. But while you're there, considering who you are, what you're supposed to be, what your purpose and intention and plan is, think about those things that you do that limit you, right? Because our episode today, that's what it's about. It's about helping you claim a spot, your spot. Helping you claim a throne, your throne. It's about getting out of your own way and believing that the things you seek are yours to be taken. We know there's some things that we can't do. We, we know that. We love to, to say we can do anything. We know there are some limitations, but they ain't got to stop where you're going. It damn sure ain't got to stop you from getting where you're trying to be. Today's episode is about looking at all you have accomplished, all the skills you have garnered and gathered and acquired, and remembering that you can use all of that to help you get to where it is you're trying to go. Today's guest, dope brother, amazing brother, and his story is about inspiration. You might not know it until you pay attention because watching black folks do the shit that's in their heart is inspirational as fuck. Believe that. He's doing that. This brother left jobs at tables that you know, companies like Nike, Adidas, and he decided it was to take it was time to take all those experiences and all that knowledge and apply it against the opportunity he saw for us for black folks brown folks he grabbed a hole literally grabbed a hole to his passion and directed them toward building Clama an agency that's focused on telling our stories and inspiring the next generation of creators and entrepreneurs and i know i know you got to understand the power of that cuz you're a listener of this show that's what we do we're trying to build black better. That's, that's the whole reason we're here. I'm going to shut up a little bit. I've been, I've been preaching on this one, but I want to bring him to the mic. Brother, Bima Williams, man, welcome to Wild Black. It is a pleasure to have you here. I uh, appreciate it. What an incredible introduction. I was, uh, I was definitely resonating with a lot of what you were saying, man. Like the, the purpose stuff is definitely extremely important to me. Uh, it's extremely important that we ask ourselves those, those questions because a lot of us grew up and uh, we didn't grow up with space in our households to even ask that question. You know what I mean? Like it was a lot of times it was just about, you know, paying the bills. Anybody had time to think yeah. about a purpose? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> For the longest, it felt like our purpose was getting up to go make money to pay these bills. That was purpose. Literally. That's what they, <laughs> you know, I think societally, that's what they try to convince us of, that our purpose was just to be labor. Yeah, I know we'll get into this, but I've got a whole ideology about growing up in Mississippi mm-hmm. and how it robbed me of learning how to dream further than I can see. But we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. Brother, why don't you tell the folks a little bit more about who you are, what you do, what your purpose is, why you're here? Absolutely. So uh, I'm Bima Williams. Um, I'm here to help us claim a seat at any table of our choosing. Uh, the way I decide to define the seat is is actually purpose. You know, a lot of times when people talk about claiming the seat, they think of it as an object or they think of it as a job or a creative or a business. Um, I define that as specifically your purpose and your meaning in, in life, regardless of the work that is connected to. Um, and so I founded Claima, co-founded Claima back in 2019. Um, I was uh, in between Adidas and, and, and Nike. For those of you who are aware of non-competes, um, leaving Adidas, going to Nike meant I had to sit out for about a year. <laughs> and so while I was sitting out, I was inspired. There was a lot that was happening in the world. Um, as we know, you know, black and brown folks continue to be marginalized. Um, you know, racism, all that stuff continues to be leveraged against us. And I really just wanted to figure out a way that I can help, you know, for my seat, right? My, my purpose uh, being to help others. And coming from Louisiana, I realized that a lot of folks that look like me, grew up like me, same circumstance, haven't been able to navigate the world that I've been able to. And uh, I'm not a gatekeeper, right? And so I wanted to share that information back, leverage my, my network. And so initially we started as a podcast to share stories with folks that look like us, folks very much here in this uh, on Wild Black right now, right? Do yeah, yeah. you, are you like, look like you. And I wanted to share that information as wide as we could. And so I started in the sneaker industry and I, I interviewed my peers. 
And when I really knew we had something is when we started to release those first couple of episodes, uh, we started to get engagement from 16-year-old kids in Ghana. Said that was the first time they ever find, found out what, what you could do within the sneaker industry. Because where I grew up, wow. all I knew is that you could work at a sneaker shop, right? And so beyond that, wanted to expand it. Um, we expanded beyond that and started telling stories from all perspectives of creativity we expanded our podcasts. Um, we started doing live events. We expanded into our agency arm. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Uh, what we call ourselves a storytelling agency. And so we tell stories yeah. uh, through docuseries, um, stories through events, etc. Um, and then on top of that, we have that impact fund. So, you know, over the last two and a half years, we've given away over $500,000 to black and brown businesses. So... We, I wow. left to come wow. to do my purpose, and um, it's been it's been an incredible three and a half years, brother. I I love it. Just I love it. That's that's the only thing that I can say. <laughs> I have I have an affinity for anyone who not only dreams a dream, but then takes those steps to implement the action and create a reality from that dream. That's that's a powerful thing to me. And what, what saddens me about it is so many of us dream those dreams, but very few of us take the action to enact those realities. And that's actually heartbreaking to me because who knows where we would be collectively if at least half or two-thirds or hell, one-third of the people who dreamed a dream did the work to create that dream so that we all could benefit from whatever it is that's in their head because... I know there's some amazing stuff out there. I, it, there. There's no doubt it has to be. It's already pretty pretty obvious the impact and the power that you bring to the table. But everybody got to get this wild black shit. So, Art, brother, take him <laughs> through it, my man. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Beam was so let me so so check this out. I'm tell you how it works real quick. Three questions. Two questions. We got to get you warmed up, ready to go. <laughs> and then the third question is our signature question that we ask every single guest. You ready to go? Bet. Let's do it. All right. All right. Here we go. Question one. So, obviously, you're a shoe guy. So, fashion has to be super important and and really important part of you as a man, and especially as a black man. If you had to represent all black men and pick five shoe types from a list that I'm going to provide, and then you got to prioritize them, too. <laughs> you also have the power to remove any shoe and replace it with a shoe of your choice. Okay. So that's what I want you to do with this. So, so you, you, you're going to have these, this list, you're going to pick five out, and then you get to remove one and, and you know, add one to your choice. You ready? I'm ready. Ain't like, oh, this shit is going to be this. I'm just like Barry Bonds and, and Lil Lee. <laughs> All he right. saw him put his gloves on. <laughs> right, right, right. Swag just went to a thousand. All right. The first, the first shoe is a Jordan. The okay. second is, you know, the old school Gators. 
D3, <laughs> where you at, baby? Yeah. <laughs> Third is the Oxfords or the Oxfords or the, the wing tips, you know, them, them the dress joints. Yep. And then you got white sneakers, you got Timberlands, casual sneakers, dress boots, and then athletic sneakers. And so I got to choose what's going to stay and what's going to go. Yeah, yeah. Yep, five. I got to choose my Jordan's, five. So Jordan's, Gators, Oxfords. Yeah, I know Jordan's you, you could put Jordan's a swap if you there. wanted to. Of Jordan's course. is in there. <laughs> Let me just tell y'all mm-hmm. now. I got my first pair of Jordans in the third grade. It's jo- It's been Jordan's. <laughs> uh, got it. So I'm going to keep the Jordans in there. I'm going to add the wingtips. I-, I rock with the wingtips. I think you got to have some, you got to have some white on whites. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing in the summertime if you don't have, if you don't have white on whites, right? And so, yes. you know, Usually for me... I got mine on right now. You got yours on right now. <laughs> Usually for me, if I'm going to do white on whites, uh, it's forces. Like, that's just, that's what it is. You know, we call them G-Nikes in Louisiana. So I had right. mids, I had lows, I had highs. <laughs> um, Man, you, you're missing mm-hmm. your, your Reese Bowls and Tees. What's happening? You Louisiana hey, all day, Reese Bowls hey, and Tees, Reese Bowls and Tees. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Juvie. <laughs> I, I definitely had my I definitely had my Jabos with the straps. I also had with the crease down the center. <laughs> yeah. Y'all gonna make yeah. me go in. My polo too. Uh <laughs> I <was> ready. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready. I love I love Tim's. This might be controversial, but I'm gonna swap the Tim's for the Wallabies. I'm a, I'm gonna I'm throw the Clarks in oh. there on them joints. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. C- yeah. Certain Ooh. regions of the country are going yeah. protest Correct. behind that. That is a regional, a regional, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> I know. They was like, mm, them, them brothers feeling real attacked about. right now. I know. They like, what you, mm-hmm. what you said? The whole what coast. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the last one I'm a, uh, yeah, the last one I'm going to say is uh, I, I'm, I'm a runner. And so what I, I run in preferably is Sockany. I, I grew up calling this a coney. You know, I used to go to middle school in the jazz. But uh, when I'm really trying to get to yeah. it, get my little exercise on, I'm in the Sockany joints. Bruh, it was this very moment that I learned how to pronounce that damn word. Huh? I'm talking about right <laughs> now. <laughs> I mean, right now. <laughs> All right, tell the mm-hmm. truth. Did you know how to say that word? I did not. I did not. If you see me over <laughs> shaking my head like, hmm. He's like, what did he say? Mm. He's like, what did he say? <laughs> right. <laughs> Calling them joints yeah, sockety. I, <gasps> sockety. But I, you know, everybody I know call it Sacconi. Right. Man, I didn't call them things. Hey, Saucy you... Burbank. I didn't call them everything. Saucy Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> Saucony. <Man. laughs> so he, he he replaced two shoes, which which yeah, that's that's uh that's a different level right there. Like you you've, you've elevated Uh-oh. that question, which is which is fantastic. He took control. Right. He showed initiative. We we rocks with that. <laughs> right, right. All right, second question. If you could have theme music introduce you whenever you walked into a room, what would your theme song be? And you got to kind of sing it or hum it or, or make sure the melody right when you, when you, when you say this song. Oh, that's a hell of a question. Uh, you know what song has been uh, standing out a lot lately is the Pound Cake Joint. With Drake and Jay Z. Now I'm a massive, I'm a massive Jay Z fan, and you know I honestly would have loved that song with just, just you know, a couple more minutes of Hov's verses, you know, because uh, I remember <laughs> yeah. me and my homie went to uh, two years ago. Uh, we went to Amsterdam, and we was riding in the car. The we had a little driver driving us around, and that joint was playing, and we just driving through the city listening. Yo, it was crazy. I was like, this is a movie. It's just like, that's the song. Yeah. And we both entrepreneurs, right? And so you just felt like, you know, you felt like bosses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I ain't got no complaints on that one. No, like no protest, no, no words back. All right, what's yours, brother? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little cocky, so mine is I'm that nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I got you. Right, so I'm gonna shoot you straight. <laughs> right, right. I got. As soon as I, I walk you. in, I like I, matter yeah. of fact, I'm gonna kick the dough in when I come through with it, and then it's gonna be like, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah. No questions <laughs> asked. This is who the fuck I am. Right. It ain't, it, right. Ain't no like, secret. Oh. It's like they're like, oh, okay, that's how you coming. <laughs> right. That's how he feeling right now. But you know that's situational. So it, it depends on the mood you in. Like like nah, you know, Art, that's like, gotta be all the time. Every nah. situation. Oh man, that'd be so. Look, <laughs> look, look, look so that's like if you walk in the church room right? or the bedroom. <laughs> 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 You you walking in church, right? You open it, the church doors open up, and it's just like, um, oh, that that'll be a little wild, <laughs> right? That'll be a little wild. It might be much too much for him. But I like it, bro. What, what, what you looking like over there? Hey, on my mama, on my hood, I look fly. I look good. That's hey, that's me. Okay, that's okay. On my mama, on my hood. That's. I look fly. That's, I that's, look good. I look, there you go. Catch yeah. my swag. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta be. Maybe I'm too bald with it too. All them, all them are flexing songs. Um, them straight flexing songs. I, 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 yeah, I love yeah, all of them. I feel like, you know, I feel like black men, we got to big ourselves up. You know, society. 100. Society always trying to bring us down, man. So we need that. We need that in the back of our head. We need that, you know, to get through the day yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And so true, so true. And that's cool. a great lead into our third question. Um, true story. The signature question. What do you love most about life while black? Being black, fam. Honestly. Ain't nobody got yeah. culture like us. Like, I, I genuinely, the more I've, you know, moved around and, and, and been able to travel, everyone wants to emulate us. Even with all the pain and and all the things that we've gone through, um, there's nothing like it. Like, I'll tell you, one of my favorite things was during the pandemic, um, we would meet up on Wednesday with just me and my homies and just play dominoes. We play dominoes. We watch, you know, some of the games. And this is some of the best time ever spent just amongst, you know, Black men. And yeah. I just really appreciate being us, right? You know, from our hair, the way we dress, the way we speak, our music, um, our creativity. Like, we turn we turn nothing into something all the time. Mm. And mm. that is my favorite thing about, about us is that regardless of whatever society has, has tried to do to us to bring us down, our people always are smiling. We always going to celebrate something, right? I'm from Louisiana, you know, New Orleans. When someone passes away, we do a second line. We celebrate. Yeah, we in the streets dancing. Like, we, should, we in the streets dancing. And so for me, it's, it's, it's a combination of those things, but truly appreciating our culture for sure. I love that. Listen, if, if they could have killed 35. us, we'd already be dead. They can't. We here. They can't. Yeah, they done tried a number of ways. <laughs> that's it that's and they it. still try right, we're gonna jump into the dope quote <clears throat> I love that mm -hmm. answer so so typically the dope quote is positively related to the topic this time it's a little bit different right and, and it's because we have this conversation about a seat at the table right and we, we hear the line build your own table bring a folding chair but considering what it is that you're doing with Claima, right, and you are giving people permission to claim what's theirs, I want to study the enemy, the other side, so to speak, whomever that is that won't let us at the table. And this quote actually comes from their perspective. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this quote, especially because you built a platform that's all about breaking down their walls, ripping out mm. their exclusion and creating a space at their table while we build our own, right? So I'll, I'll give it mm -hmm. to you quickly. It's very straightforward. Don't give the enemy a seat. Don't entertain his ideas. These thoughts are not from a good and trustworthy shepherd. Move on. When you hear that, what do you think about, Bima? I think of issues we've been dealing with since, since the moment they put us on a boat to come to America. What I think about when I hear that, 
um, is that it's unfortunate that those are still things that a lot of us um, are facing today. Some things are within our control. Some things are not within our control. Um, yeah. And so when I, when I hear that quote, I think, wow, there's still so much work for us to be doing. Um, and there's still so much for us to be doing together. Um, and, and that deeply, I want us to be more united and doing together. Um, because more and more as we look into the future, there are governments and uh, tech companies that are actively building things that you know, could very much, if we're not paying attention, uh, we really will not have forward movement um, as Black people. Um, our, you know, our, our community, wider community of brown people, like, you know, if we're not, if we're not aware of these things, um, that's only going to be even more detrimental to our well-being. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, dope ass answer. We're gonna jump into the core of this interview. Let's get this thing started. Listen, I tell people all the time, I don't believe in superheroes. I believe in superhero moments. I believe in the the opportunities that we as mere mortals will have in the course of our lifetime, course of our lifetime to create, affect, force, change, betterment, something on others. And those are our superhero moments. We should have many more than one, but we're not limited to being a superhero with Kryptonian or whatever the hell would take Superman out. We don't have that, right? And so for you, I look at what you're doing as being inside of a superhero moment. And in that, we all have like an origin story. So I'm interested in hearing what is yours? What is your origin story? You mentioned LSU. You mentioned Baton Rouge. Where did, where did you get this from? What, what set you on your path? What inspired the journey? What, what forced you, placed you, positioned you to be who and where you are today? Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Totally. Um, you know, obviously, there's a, there's a number of things, but there are two things that really stick out to me that, that set this path forward. One, it was uh, the, the absence of, of guidance for an individual like myself, right? So I define myself, um, I don't fully define myself, I identify as a creative. And growing up in Louisiana, uh, my folks worked at chemical plants and they were, they were pretty like, you know, n- narrow in that regard as far as their net worth. We lived in a subdivision and my neighbors worked at chemical plants. And so I played with their kids. And so the world, as far as I knew it, was just that big, right? We didn't, yeah. we didn't grow up, you know, um, having the lawyers and the doctors and uh, creatives and, and all those things in, in our network. So someone like me, uh, for a long time, I always felt out of place. Um, but I always had this curiosity that just didn't align with the stuff that was happening at school. So I was never too deep into sport. I was never too deep into like biology or things like that. But I was always familiar with what was happening in culture. What, you know, t- talk to me about new artists, talk to me about movies and film, talk to me about stories. Um, I, I, as I mentioned before, like I, I got interested in sneakers at a very young age. I'm an only child. And so I don't know if y'all know many only child, but we started to develop these weird characteristics. We can obsess <laughs> over things because we don't spend a lot of time, you know, at home with other people our age. And so we're more accustomed to developing relationships with adults. Like we develop a little bit differently in that way. But then also for me, um, I grew up in this obsession with sneakers and storytelling, particularly around how they were designed the sneakers for Michael Jordan and then how they were doing the stories around it. You know, it was just, I was like, wow, this is dope. Like, this don't even feel like, like just basketball. This feels like something bigger. And so I would spend most of my, my, my years feeling like I couldn't find that and, yeah. and feeling like I didn't really have meaning in my life because I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to go work in an office cubicle um, you know, I, at a very young age of 14, I did like a apprenticeship at an insurance agency. Like, don't get me wrong. A lot of people in my life meant, well, they were doing the best that they could with what they had access to, 
But for, for a kid like me, it just wasn't, it wasn't hitting. And it wasn't until I was about 24, um, around 2010, that um, I actually started to see myself in a creative world and as a storyteller. And essentially what happened was that was around that sweet spot in social media where Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram were the places where a lot of folks were able to, to tell stories and start these really beautiful communities. Obviously today it's, it's, it's way more modern and we have way more of us that, that, we're, that are doing this now. But at that time, it was, um, it was very special and very niche. And so what I was doing at that time was um, I was also frustrated with work. I was just working this dead-end job. I had finished school and I was working with folks that were like 10 years older than me. And, you know, I was very different. Like all of my, my colleagues were, were white. They were showing up to work in pleated khakis and polo shirts and, 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 and brown shoes. And I'm showing up kind of like what I'm wearing now. I'm showing up in a fitted hat. I got, you know, <laughs> some, some camos on and I'm showing up in some dunks. And it just, it never felt like I was going to have a, a lengthy career there, but I also didn't know what I was going to do. So I started I to experiment. I, I started to put myself in very uncomfortable positions that I never would. I'm naturally an introvert. So it takes a lot of energy for me to do public speaking or to go introduce myself to other people. That just feels a little bit unnatural for me. But I would force myself to do that because I realized what I was doing in my day-to-day wasn't going to allow me to get closer to a better life, right? Or to, yeah. to get somewhere where I felt better. But ultimately in doing that, I ended up starting this um, this running community. And it wasn't about fast times or anything like that. It was purely about connecting people that like running and making sure I also brought in um, Black people into the conversation. Because oftentimes when you talk about distant running and, and fitness and stuff like that, we get left out of the conversation. And so I would link up with Black Girls Run and, and, and go to different running events in Louisiana. And slowly but surely... Um, what was just my hobby became something that was known not only in Louisiana, but also these global brands started to pay attention to what I was doing. And, and, and I recruited some friends ultimately to help. Um, and so this thing got big. We got thousands of followers. And I started to feel better. I was balancing this with, with my day-to-day job. And what I didn't realize was How old was were you that, at the time? I was, uh, I was 20, 24 at the time. Gotcha. And I didn't, a lot of folks, I didn't realize that folks would be jealous that I found something outside of work. Yeah, yeah. And I started to yeah. have colleagues that would tell me, you know, you know, that's never going to happen. Or like, you, you know, like, I don't know why you're trying to do something out of this place. You, you know, you're not going to make it. Um, I ended up quitting my job. I didn't tell my mom. Cause I didn't. I felt like it would have. I felt like it would have broken her heart. And so for months, I'm not kidding. This it, this is where you add humor to stories. For months, I would leave the house because I was still living at home. I would leave the house like I was going to work. Oh, you played the role. <laughs> wow. That's, that's and I did that for months. Um, and I had homies that uh, a homie that owned a Jimmy John's that would uh, you know spot me lunch. Um, he was the one who told me, don't quit your job without having something lined up. Of course, I blew that off. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I was doing my thing. But then something crazy happened. And this is why I thought was so important, what you were sharing in the intro about when, you are, when you're asking yourself what your purpose is and when you find it and you walk in it. And what happens yeah. is I continue to do my thing. It was called Claim Your Journey. And I, I met this, this young white cat that was a, called a field marketing rep. And basically, he wasn't a sales rep. His whole job was to promote this brand in different markets. And so he would go from Texas and Austin to Louisiana, Mississippi, promoting running. He got to have this, this dope car. They pay for his hotel. I'm 24, 25, man. I'm not making no bread. That look, that's dope right. to me. What? You get to do that for work? And um, ultimately, um, he thought what I was doing was so so different and so unique to what was happening in the marketplace. And of course, he worked 
you know, he had access to the corporate headquarters and he enlightened me to those different things and, and titles and structures and stuff like that. And he said, um, I think, and it was, he worked for Saucony. He said, I think these people could use someone, you know, like you. And I was like, what do you mean? Right. He was like, he's like, you don't know this, but no one in the industry is doing this. And I was like, word. Opportunity a year literally later, came to you. The opportunity came to me. And I had I wasn't looking for it. I told y'all, like, I, I didn't know you can even do any of these things. I didn't know you can get jobs there. I, I couldn't get internships at places. And yeah. here I am, this kid in Louisiana, Baton Rouge, um, that's that's getting recruited off the internet. <laughs> yeah. You know, one, one thing about that story is, like, mine is very, very similar, but I wasn't as quick-witted as you, right? I grew up in Mississippi. And in Mississippi, there were, there were two tiers to success. And if you wanted to be successful, <clears throat> at least in Vicksburg, Mississippi, you had to do this. Tier one, teacher, policeman, fireman, maybe banker, right? Tier two, if you want to be uber successful, was nurse, lawyer, doctor, engineer. That was it. That's, that's what you did. Or you got a, lo- a job locally, you went, worked at the boat, and you held down a living. That was, that was the only options for, for me. And so hearing you talk about knowing you didn't fit in with what was happening around you feels like a skill. And it's one that like, I didn't have, and I know so many people don't have, because what, what, what ultimately happens is we operate that way. Well, I want to be successful, therefore I'm going to cheers too choose tier one or tier two. I'm going to school. I'm going to do that. And that was the route I took. I went to school. I became an engineer. I got married. I started a family as an engineer. And I hated every fucking day of it, right? Mm-hmm. Until I was probably <laughs> 28. At 28, I was like, wait a minute. I can do something else. But it took me all that time. What was it about you or your environment or your upbringing or your, your thought process they gave you permission at 14, 15, 16, 20 to say, you know what, this, this doesn't fit. Like, how did you hmm. create the lane in which you could dream further than you could see? Um, you know, honestly, and this is something I'm just realizing, you know, over the past couple of months is that I was operating out of place of fear, fellas. And mm. that fear was that, um, was that I was going to, meet my definition of failure. And for me, that definition of failure um, was being stuck doing, you know, having this life that I was uninspired by. And so while I didn't know what to do about that, it supercharged my willpower. It supercharged my curiosity. It was so strong that I I was unwilling to accept the reality. I started to create a different reality. I had to. Brother, that, again, Mm. man, I don't even know if you realize how powerful of a statement that is, right? For you to look up and say, like, the inspiration was missing, but you had never experienced it before. For me, that's like walking into a restaurant of a foreign food that I've never had before, tasting their premier dish, and be like, huh, something's missing, right? I've got no experience with that. And so to to realize that... That's a that's a hell of a that's like walking into an Italian restaurant for the first time getting spaghetti and it comes with like lemon <laughs> butter sauce. You're like, this shit ain't right. You know, where's my spaghetti? <laughs> but I've never had it before, right? So like that's a power all in itself. You're like, you know, it's some something is missing, mama. Something is missing. Like that that's a testament to you, bro, that that I like I wish there was a way for you to teach people how to realize when the situation's not when the situation's wrong. It's like it's like, how do I know the answers to the mm. things that I don't know I need to know? Like, that's, that's a conundrum that, that so many of us face. And, like, I think mentorship is a, is a solution to that. But in order for that to be effective, you have to be in proximity to people who have different yes. life experiences, expectations, and dreams in order to tell you, you yours could be bigger. Like, brother, you mentored yourself. That's, that's amazing. Like, just being straight <laughs> up, that's he, That's amazing. He did it organically. It's a, it's a, it all came from within. Already said you did. <laughs> no, no, real talk. Like it, it definitely is. Like you, it was one of those situations where. But also, I was like an internet kid too, right? So I was, you know, I was soaking up 
game online because again, like I said, I didn't have a lot of those things like like that I could put my hands on. So I, I would soak up game whether that was YouTube or you know whether it's what I was seeing on on Instagram or some article that I could read. While I didn't have the people that could necessarily in that moment pull me up, I, I started right. to understand at least the information existed and that there was possibility. And so yeah. when that possibility existed, I was like, okay, now that's something I can latch on to. Like that's yeah. a, it's yeah. possible. I don't know yet if yeah. it's possible for me yet, but I know it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to some other questions in a second, but you can probably tell like I'm enamored with, with, with the answers and you as a 15 year old, you as a 20 year old, because I sit here today, I turned 47 last week. And it's only been literally the last four years that I began to call myself a storyteller. It took Mm. me, call it roughly 42 years to figure out that's what I was. And I've been that my entire life. Literally, as I I sit back and I think about me retrospectively, I've been a storyteller my entire life, but it was 42 years in the making before I figured out the words to communicate to the world who I was. And it's a freeing feeling, even doing it in your 40s. But to, to come of age already knowing that, brother, that I want everybody to get that feeling because where, where do we go from there, right? That, that, that's an amazing world that's coming after that. But I want, I want to ask you a, another question. I want to get to Claima, and I want people to understand what you do there, why you do there, and the impact that it has but just before mm-hmm. that, I want to ask a leading question, and, and it's a big one. And that question is, Bima, what do you as an individual black man in this country want more than anything else for black people in this country? Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Man, I want us to have the freedom of mind to be able to be whatever we want to be and also not to put, to project anything upon our own people because of what's been happening year over year. Sometimes we also don't even want to allow our our peers and our family and our community to just be who they are. So I want us to be able to have that freedom, that peace of mind to just be who we are and be okay, right? And, and and just stop holding all this trauma. But of course, that's easier said than done. That takes work. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, the obvious build to that and lead in was how does Klayma help solve that? Because I'm, I'm a firm believer, if you have that one thing that you seek for your community, then you also have your North Star for your position in that community. So how does Klayma help people to do that, and then just tell them about claiming, like in depth so they can, we, can, we can really understand how to tap in, how to benefit, how to follow, how to engage, how to support. Absolutely. So, um, so claim a short for claim a seat at the table. And, you know, the idea truly behind that and, and, and what we, we hope to allow people to do is through storytelling, we hope to allow them to see themselves, right? We hope to allow them to feel seen and feel heard and to believe in possibilities that perhaps because of the circumstances in which they grew up in weren't things that they were shown or taught, that they can realize that your life is much more meaningful um, and has meaning and you yourself have purpose, right? So for, for us, it's about being able to share these stories gives us the ability, gives folks the option to have equity in society. Storytelling, and that's why we align here, is one of the most powerful tools in the world. If we look back over the years, there's a reason why folks don't want critical race theory in schools, because those stories allow us to believe that we are actually bigger and different and more powerful than we ever imagined. Because I grew up and I never saw any stories that look like me in our whole education. But, you know, yeah. maybe you give me 28 days in February and you tell me the same stories every February, but you don't tell me anything else, right? You don't provide me with any tools to see myself differently. So what I love now is that now we have different 
creative social entrepreneurs that want to change that. And so for us, when we looked out into the world, we weren't seeing these amazing stories that showed us in a variety of different ways, right? Like oftentimes when we look at how they, they tell our stories, we're typecast. It's only a certain type of story. But, you know, we don't hear the stories about, you know, writers. We don't hear the, too many stories about Black tech entrepreneurs. We don't hear the stories about artists that have been able to make it. And I just thought, like, what happens if, if I heard that story when I was 14? What would it have changed for me? What would I have been able to, to access to completely change the dynamic of myself, the trajectory of my life, my personal development, my family, my community, the world, right? Like to me, we have the ability through these stories to, to truly save lives. And so yeah. Clayma is a hybrid, right? It is one part media and the other part agency. Um, from the media standpoint, we want to be able to tell and show stories of black and brown folks um, honestly, uh, but also inspirationally and, and aspirationally um, in various ways. Some ways, those are just podcasts. In other ways, it might be documentaries. It might be TV or books and events where we can truly create a network and an ecosystem around this mindset that we can be whatever we want to be. And we genuinely have the resources to get there, right? And so then we want to build relationships with us that are already doing. That's why we're here now in Wild Black, right? We're building relationships. We're linking together. We're not sitting in these isolated places. And then putting the money back into the, the community. Like, I believe that you can make money and do good. Why not do yeah. both? Yeah. Who needs to hoard at all the, the money? Time. Why are we yeah. at the same time? So it, yeah. it's it's that. And then on the agency side, I believe, you know, corporate America is not going anywhere. We're not going to get rid of it. So how do we work with it? And as we look and see where things are going in the marketplace um, and, and in the world, we're only getting more diverse. You know, by 2040, um, it's going to be the most diverse world we've ever seen. No one's ever seen it. You got more of every culture that's going to be here in the world. And these yeah. brands don't have, they don't have the, the agency or the leadership in place to authentically communicate with us. And so from yeah. that angle, we realize like, hey, not only is this makes sense socially, but this also makes sense from a business standpoint. Um, and so um, the whole premise of that is like through storytelling, we can literally um, help create a more equitable society. We can help, you know, mentor we can help advise black and brown creatives, those that might be, you know, in Jackson, Mississippi, might be in Shreveport or Baton Rouge, Louisiana, might be somewhere in Ohio. And you, you know you're a little different. You know you don't necessarily have the support of guidance. And really what you just need is you need to know and hear the different ways that people got there so that maybe you can start to figure out how you can build your own plan. And then you need to be yeah. able to create that, that, that support system in order to get there. And then me personally, yeah. um, I, I, I too identify as a, as a storyteller. Um, and I aspire from a career standpoint, um, I want to build something like Oprah and, and Larry King. That's my hybrid. You know, Larry King held down his platform for 25 years. 30 yeah. years, Oprah, you know, same. And then she she built that into other things and was able to inspire the world. And so if I'm able to inspire the world, what happens, you know, with all of these beautiful young creatives? Like, do they change the world? Like, and if more of us do that, because I can't do that by myself, like all, you know, more of us have to be invested in that way. And so to me, that's, that's why I'm so passionate about claiming. That's what I believe that, that we could do. And I love that. As you were talking, uh, I was having a selfish moment, right? I was thinking about how much I loved everything that you said, but then selfishly, I was thinking to myself, how do we reach a kid in Mississippi who's 12? Or, or how do we meet, reach a kid 
in in Baton Rouge or even or, or Scotlandville, <laughs> who, who, who's nine, right, right, in 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 Atlanta, in Boston, in New York, in a, in Houston, in in I don't know San Francisco, in L.A. It feels easier to to get that message out. An example for the people around you everything that we can become, right? We talk about Atlanta being a black Mecca and you can see everything you want to see here. You can, you can be exposed to anything here. But, but how do we take what you're mm-hmm. doing at Clayma and, and funnel that impact, that understanding, that belief into small town Mississippi, into Baton Rouge? Even if we can't reach to that kid, how do we at least extend our branches far enough that they can reach up and grab us, right? How, how do we how do we bridge that gap? Yeah, so, you know, the way I like to think about it, especially when we're telling stories, is we need to not only tell stories of folks that are as popular as Jay-Z and, and Beyonce, we need to also tell stories that are hyper-local with folks in, the, in, in our cities that are doing really dope and incredible things and also take away, not take away, but also um, help change the mindset around like you have to be a, a big name celebrity in order to be quote unquote considered successful or quote unquote considered yeah. to be happy in life. You know how many people that are popular, that are unhappy, that feel like they don't have meaning in their lives? There's so many yeah. of these people, but you don't know those stories because you just see the glitz and the glamour. You might see them on the award shows, but they too are, are regular people. They too are dealing with themselves the same way that we do day to day. And so I think a part of it is getting into and making sure we're telling stories locally um, to champion our folks there, but also how do we partner locally as well and partner with um, Black-owned establishments, Black-owned, you know, for us, I would say that's Black-owned media, right? Like the Revolt Summit, I'm sorry, Revolt you know, Network, Revolt TV. Like, how do we partner with them? To, because they have a, a reach, right? You think about, it's like distribution. And so I know y'all love hip-hop, so I know y'all y'all know the the distribution game uh, of hip-hop back in Absolutely. the day. No Limit, Cash Money, uh, Rockefeller Records, right? Like, all of these guys were independents, and then they would work back with labels for distribution. That's where, you know, and so they could reach their their audience. That's what I believe we we should be able to do. It's audio, it's video, it's digitized. Like we can meet each other wherever we are. But then it's also um, working with these brands that have a fifty billion dollar commitment uh, coming out of um, you know uh, twenty twenty that they made and promised to us that they need to be funding all of us doing this work. Like they like they need to put that money to work. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. We um. We did an interview with uh, Alfred Edmund from Black Enterprise, and he he went in depth about calling them out for that. Like, where are you at? Like, what's happening there? I don't I don't want to go down down that rabbit hole too far. You know, <laughs> I've, I've, as a rabbit hole, we, it is. I've listened to like several of your interviews, and you know, of course, initially I, I listened because I wanted to be up on you, but. Man, I fell in love with the way you 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 do what you do. It's um, it is honestly a, a beautiful thing, very comfortable to watch. And everyone doesn't have that, right? Some people just feel super rehearsed, and you don't. But you've talked to so many amazing folks who have inspirational words or stories from all of your interactions and engagements. Like, do you remember the the story or the the line or the idea that moved you the most? And could you share it? <clears throat> for my for my conversations, what moved me the most? Um, yeah. There was a conversation with Tyler the Creator that I had last year. We recorded this in um, in Paris, and Tyler got a question from the audience. Um, from a young creative, and they were sharing how they had this idea, they were passionate about doing it. Um, and they put it out there, and it kind of just, you know, it didn't really go anywhere. And um, the one thing I, I appreciate about Tyler is, you know, he's had to deal with being different his whole career, um, even from folks that, that look like him, but he's been able to maintain his confidence. Um, but what he said was that, that I thought was super empowering was that he said, 
we will take all of this energy and this effort to create something. We'll spend hours. We're spending hours now recording um, this amazing interview. And then we'll just post it online. We won't text it to our friends. We won't try to call such and such. We won't post all of the clips. We won't promote it until, you know, I can't promote it anymore. And he said, you know, he said, why would I listen if you don't even want to promote your own stuff? Mm. Why would I listen? And what, it, what I thought about that was that mm. the belief, you have to believe in your work and what you create and your art more than anyone else. And you have to champion it. You have to creatively promote it. And you have to get out of this notion that because you posted it one time and maybe people didn't engage that it was it was bad. Dog, it has nothing to do with if it's good or bad. Do you believe in what you put out there? If you do, promote it to the end of the earth. If you don't, don't put that shit out. <laughs> Brother, I wish I had an applause track for that. Black and white, baby. That's, that's real binary right there. That's real. It's I mean, real because, because it, it speaks. It speaks to the idea of, of of a consumer who catches wind of a product and says, "Should I love this? I wish I'd have known about this five years ago." It's just it didn't get promoted enough to reach you, and if it didn't reach you, it didn't reach somebody else, and that somebody else could have been the one that set it off. Like, I gotta love that. I mean, especially right, being a podcast, having a, a media company myself, and knowing that. Sometimes maybe we don't do enough. But just as surprising to me is, is sometimes the things that do hit. I, I put up a post the other day that's been blowing up for <laughs> a day and a half. And it was a, a simple screenshot of something that mattered to me. And I was like, whoa, where, where did all this come from? But, but, but I'll take it. Right. Listen, I, I want to be honest in that Art and I are smart, right? I have no qualms in saying that, right? Art, right, we that nigga, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> the thing here is theme songs baby. being smart also means <laughs> being smart also means you are aware and accept when something happens to your kitchen you might say this is ludicrous but that won't fix your home that will only get you the rapper ludicrous having trouble don't panic don't be alarmed you need to file a claim holla at state farm like a good neighbor state farm is there that's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. That you don't have all the answers, nor do you have all the questions. And so what that means is when we have an amazing guest like yourself who comes with your own experiences and your own expectation, your own information, I want to make sure that we open the floor up in a way that allows you to tell all of our listeners and all of our followers whatever it is that you feel like they need to know. What is the thing that we haven't covered today that is burning a hole in your chest to tell people that they need to hear? Like, what is that thing? What have we missed? Yeah, so one of the big things that I've been on as of late is um, is, is us and, and truly what ownership means and not waiting for anything to be given. What opportunities are we creating for ourselves that are not dependent on how other people's, other establishments, other entities move. And the reason I was so passionate about that is because I had to check myself. One thing I will do with myself is I'm pretty rigorous about trying to check myself on my the way that I'm thinking, the habits that I've, I've gotten into that might not be getting me closer to where I want to be. Um, you know, my circle, what's my circle pouring into me? What am I pouring into my circle? Um, do I want to be in that circle? And so one of the things that I was struggling with was I was like, okay, when I do this interview, then this is going to happen. Or mm -hmm. when, you know, I show up at this thing, then I'm going to get signed to this talent agency. Or when I do this, I'm going to get the New York Times piece. And I'm like, dog, are you doing this for a New York Times piece? What are you doing? And I had to like, I had to check myself and it inspired some work for me when I was, you know, over, over the holiday break. And I put out this piece and it was basically like, you know, I'm not, I'm not an influencer with millions of followers, right? I'm not, I'm not backed by a network. 
I, you know, I'm not rep by anybody. Um, I'm not super animated, you know, just really me speaking honestly to myself and, and then saying, and even still with those hurdles, what I am here to do is I'm still, still here to help us. That is actually why I'm here. I'm here to help us claim a seat. I'm here to, to help us see that we can really do things however we want to, because we are the, the, the trendsetters. We are the industry setters. We are the culture makers. And regardless of what happens because of an algorithm doesn't mean that what we're trying to do is wrong. It just means that we're not willing to play by someone, someone's rules that they created. And I think what I want to really get across to other people and, and other creatives is, you know, don't allow yourself to be boxed in, right? You know, so many people, when I was leaving um, the corporate side of the world, right, to, to do a podcast, I don't know if y'all saw you people, right? Eddie Murphy was making fun of Jonah Hill for leaving finance to go start a podcast. But that's how Man, that popular so what good. we do is now. It was hilarious. It's, it was great. I was like, it's a great movie. Um, that's how, how popular what it is. But no one knows what you're capable of until you show them. And so if you're going to spend all mm. this time waiting, you're going to wait your opportunity away. It's on you to take those steps. It's on you to claim a seat. It's on you to create the opportunity. And so that's the thing that I want to get, get across to people. And it doesn't mean you have to make this big, grandiose statement. You ain't got to do none of that. Just put one foot in front of the other, you know. Um, you know, it's one brick, one, one, one step at a time. It's brick by brick. It's not going to happen overnight. And you also have to, like, stop looking in different people's lanes. Like I said, I grew up a runner. The biggest lesson, there's two big lessons I learned from running. You know, when you run on a track, imagine you're doing a four by four or you're doing a four by one. We all know how these four by, one, four by ones go. You got the baton switch, everything. If you're so busy looking in lane, you know, one, if you're in lane two and looking at lane three, what's happening in your lane? One, you're going to mess up the baton pass. You're going to fall. You're going to get out of the block slow, right? You're going to mess up your whole thing because you aren't focused. The other thing is when you're doing distance running, right? I'm getting ready to do another marathon this year. I'm going to do a marathon in October, 26 miles. What I know about running a marathon for sure is that if I do not put the work in, if I do not do the training by race day, there is no question, I will not finish the race. So what that tells me is that every day I got to get up, I got to put the work in, I got to put the distractions to put the distractions aside, and I have to commit myself to what I want to become. There's no other way to do that, right? No one's going to come up to me and offer me a, a random opportunity because they just saw me. That's not how the world works. We have to create what we want. We have to claim our own seats. Hmm. Brother, I love that. One of the, there's one thing I've been thinking about that I want to start doing at the end of episodes, so I'm going to start doing it here, is showing true appreciation and, and thanks to our guests in a different kind of way. Man, I see you, brother. I, and I'm grateful that as a kid, you recognized and admitted the fear that you had in front of you, and you found a way to push right through it, creating opportunity for each of us to claim our own seat, wherever that seat may be. I am positive that the work you have done has left an imprint on our culture and our community. I cannot wait to see what you do next. I am grateful for the opportunity to have connected with you. I expect us to do more amazing things in the future together, and I could not be happier to have had you on Wild Black today laying down those words the way you did. The one thing we ask of our guests at the end of every episode is please, my brother, share with our listeners how they can follow you, engage with you, and support you. Absolutely. Um, so if you want to check out the podcast, you can catch our podcast on wherever you listen to your uh, listen to your, your podcast, whether that is Apple Podcasts, um, Amazon Music, Spotify, we're there. So look up Claim of Stories with Bima. Uh, we actually have our season four kicking off in March uh, with our partner Vista. And then um, if you want to engage with me personally, uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm on the gram. That's where, that's where I'm at. I, <laughs> I, I know TikTok's out there. I know the other platforms out there, but that, the gram is for me. Uh, so you can hit me at Bima Williams uh, and, and I'll definitely be engaged. And you can also follow Claim of Stories on Instagram as well. Cool. All right, brother. You got anything, man, before we close out? 
Brother, keep doing your thing and keep keep inspiring because I will tell you, it's it's extremely important, the stories and the impact of, of seeing stories and hearing stories of people that look like you. I appreciate that, family. I appreciate both of y'all. This has been this has been a wonderful conversation. Man, it's been amazing. Be last thing, anything else you want to share, feel feel the need to communicate to the audience. Now's the time, my brother. Man, I think uh I think I got I got it everything out that I wanted. Um I think if anything, um I, I wanted to close on the message that that you would share, D, and that is to to definitely be asking yourself those questions about, you know, what's your purpose? Why are you here? Why do you exist? It doesn't matter if you didn't grow up with the ability to to have those questions in your household growing up. We are now, you know, adults and we have the ability to to change our lives at whatever point they are at, no matter how hard it is. Um, you have the ability to change your circumstances. That's it. Wild Black, you heard it. We out. We love you. Peace. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.